0: Welcome to Toward Wellbeing, a podcast that seeks to offer wellness information and explore solutions to well-being challenges faced by the legal community. I'm your host, Nikki Irish, and I'm the Outreach and Education Coordinator for the DC Bar Lawyer Assistance Program. We're happy you're joining us today. As a reminder, we coordinate each podcast with a Washington Lawyer Magazine issue using the LAP column Toward Wellbeing as a jumping off point for a more in-depth conversation around the columns topic. The March-April Issues column is called The Enemy of the Good. Our guests today are here to dig a bit deeper into the concept of perfectionism explored in the column. Joining us today are Sarah Endress, Northern Virginia, Region Manager for the Virginia Judicial and Lawyers Assistance Program, and Jesse Jocum, Senior Counselor with the DC Bar Lawyer Assistance Program. Thank you both for joining me today. Before we jump into the conversation, I want to briefly define perfectionism. Briefly. It's characterized by a tendency to set extremely high, rigid, or flawless goals and place excessive demands on oneself and or others, and it often involves an overwhelming fear of failure. Jesse, with that definition, I'm curious about your thoughts, because perfectionism is often discussed as a trait, yet it also looks a lot like a coping mechanism. What do you think makes perfectionism so attractive?
1: I think the simple fact is because it's both. I mean, the simple fact is we focus more on the positive traits, on how it helps motivate us, on how it helps strive for excellence, that we don't recognize when it crosses that line and starts becoming maladaptive. Because if I'm perfect, I'm always striving for excellence, I'm always pushing myself, but I'm not realizing I'm pushing myself to these unrealistic expectations, and I'm also not recognizing until sometimes... Later on, that the stress and the toll is taking, whether it's in anxiety, depression, or just simply excessive stress.
0: Thanks, Jesse. Sarah, I'm wondering kind of that idea of we don't recognize it always, right? How much of that is related to perfectionism being influenced by societal expectations and kind of cultural norms, including in this case, right, the legal professions?
2: So it's really honestly, like just said, it's a both type factor. So societal expectations, of course, it's like okay, I have to perform, I have to do well. If I don't, I will be seen as a failure. No one will trust me. I can't work with them. Whereas your cultural norms is there's a list behind in your back of your head is like if I don't do well for my family, am I representing them correctly? And it, it comes together to be this amalgamation of no matter what, I have to do this. And you see it also in the legal profession because as you are well aware, most attorneys have a little bit of perfectionism in them. And the ones who don't bless them, I actually really am proud of that, you know, that they don't. But a majority of us have it in some aspects. And you see it in the way we work. You see it in how we represent ourselves. And truthfully, we just have to take the truthfully is just because of how we view ourselves and how we feel about how we want others to view
0: us. Do you think perfectionism is perceived differently across different cultures or various cultures. Yes. So
2: what I will say, this, and it has comes from first generation attorney for my family and whatnot, is immigration type of aspects come into play here. Yes, I'm from this country. My family honestly can trace back its roots to the Civil War. Like we've been here forever, but I am the first one in my family to go to law school. And you can also see this when my interaction with other attorneys who are not originally from this country or whose families immigrated here. They feel more pressure to go and get a JD, a PhD, an MD, some kind of doctorate level field, and then have a great career because that's their family's way of saying they made it. And I'm not going to say you don't see that with people who are culturally steeped in the US, but it's a little less stress on them to be this perfect model for everybody
0: to hold up. Pressure's maybe a little bit different. Yes. Jessica, kind of with that, talking about these cultural pieces, are there cultural factors that may contribute to or kind of mitigate, right, these perfectionist tendencies? Maybe that Sarah just touched on, but is there anything you would kind of expand on in that space?
1: I mean, honestly, I think Sarah really touched on it, but I do think there's this aspect based on, you know, race, gender, ethnicity that can put it some additional pressure to strive for perfectionism how to mitigate them, I think it's really just recognizing that you're not going to meet all of those expectations for everyone. So really strive for your own expectations.
0: That's the goal, right? Like striving for your own expectations, getting to that goal is a whole other conversation. Sarah kind of related to getting to that goal, right? Like with perfectionism, often feeling like it's a core part of someone's way of being. Expanding on kind of what Jesse was saying, do you think it can be unlearned or mitigated? Oh, yes. It, it
2: can be unlearned or mitigated. I will acknowledge that. I will say the thing that really unlearned it for me was having children of my own. And I know that's not for everyone, but that is what made me realize perfection is never going to happen. I started to unlearn it in law school. I started to, with the pressure of everybody being around me, realize there is no thing is perfect. But it was still in the back of mind as I progressed through my career. It was only after having kids that I was like, oh, this is something that can happen. And truthfully, the only opinion who matters are mine and my children's. So it doesn't take a big thing all the time, but I will acknowledge for me, it took a big life-changing event to realize I don't have to be perfect and I won't be perfect.
0: Sounds like the big life-changing event kind of reordered everything for you. I mean, as parenting does, but it really impacted the perfection. Jesse, I'm kind of wondering if you have any additional insights.
1: I mean, I would say this, I think unlearning something is going to take identifying what drives it. So I think it's the deeper issue of what's driving your perfectionism. Is it the fear of failure? Is it disappointing? Is it a self-esteem issue? You know, I think that's going to be the core issue also on how to kind of shift. But there's practical things that you can do to kind of help mitigate it. You know, setting time limits for yourself when you're doing things, you know, practicing daily limits with regard to when you're working on an assignment, you know, acknowledging that I am going to fail, but that doesn't mean I'm a
0: failure. Separating out the actions, right? Your kind of actions are the outcome from who you are.
1: Absolutely.
0: What I was just kind of laughing about in my head is that 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 takes a lot of work, right? Like there's a lot of internal work that has to happen to separate out kind of who we are from kind of what we do. And it's
1: uncomfortable. And that's why sometimes we don't want to do the work. I'd rather, you know, that seems more to make sense. You know, what I what I do is who I am. But if that is the case, sometimes when I don't succeed, does that mean I'm going to see myself as worse?
2: And sometimes it takes something for us to put in that work, whether it's even just exhaustion and burnout at the job, being like, I can't carry on like this. And then you have to start making small changes. Like I said, all right, let's put a time limit on the amount of time I'm going to put into this. If it's not done, oh well.
0: In that space, how did you survive the discomfort of that? Because I think there is a lot of that is the fear of, I cannot survive this discomfort. It's really
2: hard, actually, surviving that discomfort. So for me, I have a huge fear of failure. I have a huge fear, and it comes up in my writing. You'll see it. It takes me forever to put anything down. So in order for me to move past that, I've the coping mechanisms of, and it's not the most healthiest, I work at like in the middle of the night, I'll wake up and I'll just write something because I'm a little less filtered. So I, I know when my mind is less filtered, I'll put something on the paper, I'll go back to sleep. And in the morning, I have a working document suddenly and my thoughts are on a paper and I can now edit and go. And that's what works personally for me, knowing where can I get the work done and then just real quick bang it out, do it, move on. But
0: that's not the healthiest way, I will say. Well, it works for you. <laughs> and what I heard is maybe there's some room for growth in there too. I would say one thing is
1: remembering why you're tolerating the discomfort because you already were in discomfort. That's why you're doing the change, but you have found a way to cope with that discomfort. Now you're coping with a new discomfort for a healthier change. So just recognizing I'm making these changes because I'm tired of feeling overwhelmed, I'm tired of feeling anxious while I work on something. So it's just recognizing I want a new level of this this discomfort I'm dealing with. At the end, I'm going to be a little bit healthier, a little bit more mindful.
0: I really like that. So it's essentially accepting unfamiliar discomfort. Like you're trading it for familiar discomfort for unfamiliar discomfort in the hopes of kind of that long-term goal, right? Like that shift that will happen. Absolutely. Thank you both. Coming back a little bit, we've talked a bit about the kind of micro, right, on the individual level. Jesse, I'm wondering, kind of, we know perfection manifests individually, but there are so many macro influences, right, particularly in the legal field, which often glorifies striving for perfection (laughs) versus kind of accepting excellence. How or what do you think the legal field can do to shift this?
1: Well again I think is the messages that's being said you know if that person who's working those excessive hours is constantly being praised everyone else is going to start to question their own actions you know their own you know am I doing enough and I think Sarah kind of touched on it if it doesn't it's the burnout that's what's going to happen you know this perfectionism is only can only last so long before it starts taking a toll so I think is the messaging is the key Again, listen, I'm not saying you're praising someone who is not doing their best, but if the only people who get praised are the ones who are doing the extra, who's doing going 10 miles over, that's what other people are going to see.
2: Building on Jesse's thoughts there, it kind of needs to happen from the top. It has to happen from the partners, from the senior associates, from the one who have been in the field for a long time. They have to set these limits of, okay... It's 9 p.m. I'm not going to email this associate to do this thing that technically could wait till the morning. Because when the associate gets that email, they're like, oh my gosh, they're still working. I need to still be working. It's something that we have actually, whenever we give presentations, we tell like it has to go top level down. Your associates want this, but also they're coming into a field that's preset. They want these changes, but they can't make them themselves. You have to do this.
0: And it'll make everybody happier. It's hard to shift from the top. And yet so essential. And what you both were talking about is like the hours piece. But I also think there's, particularly when I talk to attorneys who are in the nonprofit or protecting others space, right? Where they care so very much about what they do and the perfectionism that comes with that. I wonder if either of you can speak to that at all
2: there you have to kind of make it very clear to them if they don't take care of themselves they cannot take care of anybody else
0: yes
1: and you just have to keep reminding them I think Sam just said it I think with them it's just this added risk if they're not taking care of themselves is they're going to not only burn out but compassion fatigue you can't keep giving of yourself completely without giving yourself that time to kind of take that step back without it having consequences and one of them is not being there for those clients
0: Right. The long term goal of a long, meaningful career versus kind of a short, intense one and how challenging that can be, too. But again, that comes from top down, too. Right. You need leadership who is exemplifying a long, meaningful career with capacity versus kind of that short, intense burst. Sarah, you've shared of yourself, but related to this, kind of, have you personally experienced witness attorneys recovering from their perfectionism and kind of what did that look
2: like? Yes, I have seen a few who have decided that what they were doing was not working for them and it was leading to the burnout. So small things. They've taken a step back. Honestly, they started talking to a counselor and talking to someone to start processing what was going on in their lives to get to the root issue and i know i will always say everybody should talk to one if you feel the need be they started to try and put in as jesse was saying time limits and they started to actually say all right when i am focusing on this one activity i will not multitask i will not think about these several other things and they keep reminding themselves like hey i am focusing on this one thing i'm not going to be distracted it takes a lot of time. And we kind of have talked and have check-ins with another person to hold accountability so that we can ask, how's this going? Are you okay? And they're like, yeah. Or like, I didn't actively do this. Then I'm falling back into old habits. So
0: talking to someone else really, I think is help accountability factor. That's a big piece. Thank you, sir. So kind of checking in with others, right? On two fronts is what I heard. So kind of initially in the process kind of trying to understand the root issue around the perfectionism and then once we've done that we kind of move to the space of okay what are the behaviors that I'm going to change and kind of having some accountability in how I change those behaviors yes Jesse any thoughts that you want
1: to share I would say the one thing I've definitely in the attorneys I've worked with on this is just it's this dichotomy of that my perfectionism has served me so well you know I graduated law school I passed the bar you know I'm an associate in this big firm or I'm working in the nonprofit world where I've always wanted to. So is this like, how do I shift this when it has served me? But also, you know, increasing awareness. But what was the cost of it? You know, how did you feel in law school? How did you feel when you started this job? And how are you feeling right now? So recognizing while yes, it has served you. Is there a better way to do this where there's not this excessive cost to you emotionally and
0: mentally? I think that's so important, right? Because it has, there is the perception that this is the only way I could have gotten to where I am. Not that there was another path available to me. So how do I change my path, right? And I think what you said was really important is like recognizing what the costs of that path are and what they might be moving forward. How have you seen people do that? Like be able to say, this is the cost and it's not worth the cost anymore.
1: What brings you here? What are you
0: feeling right now?
1: What do you feel like at the end of the day of workday? Do you get to enjoy your family when you're not working? Helping them identify what the cost has been.
0: And in both your answers, right, it's often talking to somebody else, whether that is a mental health professional or whether it's somebody else, whether it's a mentor or spiritual advisor or whomever that is. Right. But getting that perspective outside perspective, I think, is so important.
1: And maybe simply going for a walk with a friend and saying, oh, I'm just so tired all the time. Your friend saying, Well, you're tired all the time.
0: Yes. I love that. The walk, the walk is powerful. Jesse and then Sarah, kind of as we wrap up today, what is one trait or coping mechanism that you think lawyers struggling with perfectionism would benefit from cultivating?
1: Definitely self talk, self talk. The simple fact is, Often our thoughts and the statement we say to ourselves contribute to our perfectionism, like, oh, I could do this better. You see, you know what this partner, the senior associate made changes. I must not have done a good job. So really identifying what are those self-talks that kind of contribute to the need for perfectionism. Because if we can identify them and shift them, that's where we can start making the changes, heads that actually this partner says you did a good job. They just made changes that thought were added to the document. So just recognizing how we can just talk to ourselves a little differently. Building on that,
2: voicing realistic expectations for yourself. Say it out loud to yourself when you're in the office alone about what you're going to do, because when you hear it, you suddenly realize that's too much to do in one day. Or you realize, okay, I can do this. When you allow it to feed in your mind going back and forth over and over and over again, you're not really processing it. So say it out loud in your office. And then do it, and you'll get an. As you do this more, you'll get an idea of okay, what is realistic for me to do today and get
0: accomplished, and what did I list that just never happened? I wonder too if in that space, the realistic expectations—that's where having somebody else might be helpful too, right? Because sometimes in the beginning, maybe on our overcoming perfectionism journey, we may we may constantly believe those unrealistic expectations.
2: And that's why I'm saying say it out loud and not just in your head because now you've put it out there so that at the end of the day, when you didn't accomplish it, you can't be like, oh, I just ran out of time or I was will switch time on here. Doing it every morning before you start, you'll get a better idea of what you can actually
0: accomplish. It's kind of awareness of self-talk, kind of awareness of expectations. And what I like is both probably externalizing, right? Whether like saying it out loud whether writing it down and maybe even catching your own self talk by saying it out loud or writing it down. So you can kind of check yourself a little bit. As we wrap up, is there anything else you want to say or add that we haven't touched on or covered?
1: I think one thing to just keep in mind, you can still strive to be the best person, the best attorney, the best mother, father, if you can, but you don't have to be perfect. So it's just striving to get better every single day but not striving for something such a perfection.
2: It's a lot better to get something done and to be crippled by the worry that it's not perfect. It slows you down so you get nothing to accomplish.
0: Thank you both for that. And thank you so much for being here today and for the conversation. Listeners, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I wanna leave you with two thoughts. One is given the prevalence and impact of perfectionism in the law, This is a gentle reminder that failure is a universal human experience. And last I checked, you are human. And your worth isn't determined by flawless outcomes, that you are enough. And I hope you can practice being as kind to yourself as you would be to a good friend. And then the other is, if you need help navigating this space or really any space, know that help is available. And please reach out to your local lawyer assistance program, whether that's the DC bar, Virginia Judges and Lawyers Assistance Program or wherever you're listening. We hope that you know that the help is available to you. And until next time, take care.